Hey guys, it's Morgan here. I want to welcome you to Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. I'm going to toss it over to our hosts, Micah and Josiah Keneally. What's up, guys? Hope you are feeling alive right now. I'm Micah Keneally, and I'm joined today by my wonderful husband, Josiah, and we are downtown Minneapolis right now. It was not snowing when we got here, and now it looks like a snow globe outside the window. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. It is beautiful, but we just want to say thank you so much to our amazing guests that we have on air with us today. And Josiah, would you do the honor and privilege of introducing that surprise guest? For sure. So we're here in season two, and we are loving every minute of the Young Adults Today podcast. And I want to make mention that one fun thing about this podcast that I don't think we've mentioned before is we don't edit or crop the interview. So it's raw, it's real, and it's authentically enjoyable that way. And today, we're joined by uh, a very special guest, Ken Coleman. And as an author, a radio host, and speaker, Ken is the best-selling author of The Proximity Principle and the national radio host of The Ken Coleman Show. Pulling from his own personal struggles, missed opportunities, and career successes, Coleman helps people discover what they were born to do and provides really practical steps to make their dream job a reality. The Ken Coleman Show is a caller-driven career show because he's a career expert, and that helps listeners who are stuck in a rut or in a job that they hate or searching for something more out of their career. And on a personal note, on a personal note, Ken is one of my absolute favorite authors and speakers. Mike and I actually met you, Ken, in 2017. Don't expect you to remember this, but one of the... Um, smart money events that Ramsey Solution put on. Ken is one of the Ramsey personalities and he spoke at an event where we all met and we actually won, Mike and I did, $250 of Dave Ramsey's cash that day. So it was pretty fun. We used it on our honeymoon. But Ken, we just want to say thanks for joining us and welcome to Young Adults Today. Micah, Josiah, I'm so, so thrilled to hang out with you. I'm proud of what you guys are doing here. This is such a great um venture and it's touching people's lives and so i'm very very excited to hang out and talk today that's amazing and can i just have to say you know you're a good author and you're inspiring people when your husband or your new husband brings you on our honeymoon so he was yeah. reading books on the beach <laughs> in hawaii after we went parasailing with that 250 dollars and just saw how that impacted and encouraged his life. And you know, you never know when a transition's happening. So I just wanna say thank you, yeah. just as a wife and as a uh, person who inspires those readers and podcast listeners and whoever's listening to your show as well. But Ken, we are so excited that you are here. And we just wanna kinda kick off and start with your story primarily and the practical career advice. So that's kinda category number mm -hmm. one. So would you be willing just to start by sharing your story and career journey just with us and bring some insight in with that process? Yeah, wow, where do you want me to start? I and mean, you don't want the whole thing, do you? We do. You the whole thing? <laughs> yeah, bring it. You do? Oh my gosh, okay, I'm gonna do a speed version and you can stop me if you want um, or we can rewind or whatever. So. Uh, Started out in politics, uh, had my first political job at 19, took a semester off of college to be able to do that because I thought, again, that God had called me into a political career. And uh, so that began a fast journey for me that led me from 19 to 22. I was working for the governor of Virginia at that young age uh, in the office of the governor. And that was a great gig for about two months and then I got really bored. I worked <laughs> on a bunch of campaigns which are fast and furious and then working 
in the governing side of things is exactly what people think it is. It's slow, it's bureaucracy, it's a lot of politics. And it was at that point, uh, having been there for about a year, that I knew it was time to move on. And the goal was to work in the private sector, build a, a business background with some leadership credentials so that I could run one day, maybe in my 30s, you know, mid-30s or something like that. So I pursued that. That took me into the professional speaker bureau industry where I was like a Jerry Maguire, if you will, for um, celebrity <laughs> speakers. Uh, and so we handled a lot of exclusive relationships and things like that. That was a great, really, a great opportunity to learn and run a business, which I grew into that role and ran a business uh, for about three years, then took an opportunity to work for John Maxwell, who's a well-known leadership icon and, and best-selling author. That was a great experience. Did that for about three years. Uh, transition was brought to me. It was something I was looking for at the time. We were in the Atlanta suburbs in a neighborhood in a, a district that I thought I might run for, maybe state house or something like that. And God had different plans. And um, so John sold the company, new executives came in and they didn't need us. So it was the nicest firing I've ever been through. <laughs> and so that was a great opportunity for me to, to go out on my own as I consider what the next steps would be. Because of those John Maxwell relationships and the connections and the network that I had, I had plenty of opportunity. Um, and so was doing a lot of consulting and then created a small business. Mm -hmm. That, that my wife and I ran and that kind of gave me the day job where I was working for myself and in that season and I'm giving you the super fast version here in that season I began to wrestle with I didn't sense that my calling was to be in politics anymore and went through some real discovery in six weeks a really intense six-week process of seeking the Lord but also being a real deep dive into my life my history my talents, my passions. And that's where I learned the process that I now teach every day on my radio show. And so God was doing something back then that I didn't even realize as I was seeking my own clarity, uh, having been a very on purpose guy my whole life. And so that's when I realized it was broadcasting. I started from scratch. I didn't have any relationships, no broadcasting degree. Uh, started out in a broadcasting school with a bunch of 20 year olds. I'm 31, 32 at this time. Um, and the first live broadcast I ever did was high school football play-by-play -play on the internet. The only people listening was the kid next to me in the booth and my <laughs> wife at home. Uh, I've introduced clowns, mimes, balloon artists. Um, and I started really, really small and it took a while and stayed with it. Uh, bought my way on, uh, radio at, and uh, the other significant thing is i was associated with catalyst leadership conference which was really the leading christian leadership conference in america yeah started their podcast before podcasts were a thing this is this is now probably 11 12 years ago and it was a big success built my reputation as an interviewer there started radio Dave Ramsey and I became friends in that whole season, had interviewed him in front of 12,000 people. We had mutual friends. We had a professional friendship, nothing more. But he was paying attention to me. 2014, he asked me to host the very first SMART conference on a contract basis. Uh, what I didn't know is that that was an audition. About two months later, he asked me to join the team uh, in a role where I was hosting the Entree Leadership Podcast, which was, you know, and still is a big leadership it's podcast. massive, yeah. Um, hosting the Dave Ramsey video channel. Uh, so it was an on-camera role for the video channel on YouTube. When he'd go to break, I would take over and do live hits. Uh, and then 
MC of the live events is what allowed me to meet you two. And it was a preparation, them getting to know me, me, you know, the timing of God is so unbelievable when you look back at it. And that led me to 2017, becoming a Ramsey personality, which simply means I have my own content, building my, my own kind of uh, platform within the Ramsey Solutions channel. And Dave has been so generous. I've been able to guest host the first person to ever sit in Dave's chair and guest host his program in 27 years. Mm-hmm. That led to my own show on Sirius XM, which is now nationally syndicated. So blah, 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 blah. That's what I feel like I'm doing right now. But you asked for the career journey. There it is. No, that's amazing. And and if I can just jump in, something that Dave Ramsey, I've heard him say, and something that Coach K from Duke, legendary basketball coach for those listening, yeah. both of those guys say of you, Ken, that you are the greatest interviewer of people that they've ever met. And so it's a real treat for us to get to interview somebody who's great at interviewing. And so, but we, we're just noticing that one of the things that transitions us to the next question that Micah will ask mm-hmm. is just you mentioned kind of how God orders your steps and how you sought God. And so. Yeah, I just love, Ken, that you were able to share the process, the process with us, because we have many listeners who are in a career longing to be in ministry, who are in ministry coming out of a different background. You know, everybody has their own different story, but I love that we never arrived. Like you weren't 19 at the age of 22 saying, here I am. It's saying, hey, Lord, prepare me for whatever you have. And you took those steps of obedience as that process obviously um, took place. And now you are where you are, but there's definitely a journey involved. And one thing that we get asked a lot from students and young adults who are called into ministry, missions, or marketplace, and we would just love to hear your insight about your response to this question. And the question is, what ways have you found your faith to intersect with the way that you work? Well, it's an interesting question. I, I, I don't see that it's intersecting as much as it completely encompasses. That's good. And yeah. I think it's a different word, and I think that in my journey, and I think this is how it ought to be for all of us people of faith, but your work is not something that is uh, separate to your faith. Yeah. So if we look at Genesis and we go back to, let's just go, where does work enter into the Bible? Where do we see it? And we see it right at the beginning. Yeah, creation. Genesis 2, right? So we, 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 we pick up with a uh, breaking news story, right? In the beginning, right? Boom. It's like, a, okay, here's what happened. And so we see and we, we hear the description of God's work in the first chapter. But then Genesis 2, it goes into literally saying, and he worked so hard right. that on the seventh day, God, omnipotent God, creator of the universe, has worked so hard that God's like, I got to take a break. Right. <laughs> and so it's right there in Genesis 2, right? And what we see is, is that as we, as we begin to walk through the Bible, all throughout the Bible, but it really begins in Genesis chapter 2, that God himself worked. He still is working. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He works in us. He works through us. And if we go to Ephesians 2.10, right, everybody talks about Ephesians 2.8.9, all the theology, right? But Ephesians 2.10 is like the verse that nobody ever reads. But Ephesians 2.10 is all about works. Yep. And, and so, you know, there's this unbelievable tapestry throughout Scripture that work is indeed something that 
we live to do. Now that's mm-hmm. countercultural. Because if you think Absolutely. about work in our society, most people think of work as, well, I work to live. In other words, I work to create income and income for my basic necessities, lodging, food, clothing, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. And maybe if there's a little bit left over, we have some nice memories that we can talk about when we're old, right? This is the world. This is the way the world looks at work. But God makes it very clear that we were created to work. Yeah. Now, that doesn't mean workaholics. It means that we were created to contribute. That's what I say. That's created to contribute. And you contribute to this world in two dominant ways. Number one, in your vocation and then in your relationships. Mm -hmm. This is how we contribute to the world. So I'm not playing games with your question. I'm just simply saying... my faith hasn't intersected with my work. My faith encompasses the way I look at work because I was always the kid who was trying to figure out what was the will of God for my life. That's the mysterious phrase that pastors sometimes use that they don't explain to young people. And young people who are serious about their faith, they're going, how do I figure out the will of God? It's this big stress-inducing, (laughs) anxiety-ridden question. Right. And the reality is, is that, listen, do what you were created to do. Okay, Ken, great. Now how do I figure that out? Oh, thanks for asking. I'm interviewing myself. Uh, and so you look at what you do best and what you love to do most. Right. I think it's a great way. What you way. do best mm-hmm. and what do you love to do most. Mm-hmm. And where those intersect, this is the sweet spot. This is where the will of God begins to take uh, effect. And so there are multiple jobs or career paths within your sweet spot. As long as you're using what God gave you as talent. Yeah. And you can hone into skills. If you're using what you do best mm-hmm. as a tool or a weapon, if you will, to fight the good fight. So I, if I, if I know what I do well, and I know what makes my heart come alive, this is from God. Yeah. So therefore, asking your question, that is the intersection that we must understand, and then that guides us throughout our life in the work that we do. So, uh, the short—that's the long answer. The short answer is, when you have that mindset, and I always have then every time I get up to come to the office, I'm doing Mm -hmm. what God created me to do. I don't even think of it as work. I think of it as my personal mission. That's where purpose, that's your why. To glorify God through your good Mm -hmm. work. That's amazing. And I think that's a great clarity, a great distinction, and also a simplification of a complex, ambiguous term of God's will for my life and makes it super practical. And one of the other things that I think we're destined to come across along the way in all of our lives is change and transition, and even more specifically with that rejection. And in your first book, One Question, which by the way is the book I brought on our honeymoon, one of my favorite books that I've ever read, I've read it many times, and you wrote about the word no and what the word actually means is just not here and turning rejection into redirection. Can you share, Ken, that story with us and give those of us who are maybe walking through turmoil or transition of job, can you give us some advice about this? Yeah, well, let's look at Hebrews where first it, the Bible says to us, without faith, it is impossible to please God. So what is the essence of faith? The essence of faith is not knowing how things are going to turn out 
when they're going to happen, not even necessarily know where, but we're still supposed to walk forward. Mm -hmm. And so God is simply saying through the writer, Paul, that he wants us to move forward. And in moving forward into the unknown, uh, God steps in. And then he gets the credit because everybody knows mm-hmm. Ken didn't have anything to do with that. Josiah didn't have anything to do with that. Micah didn't have anything to do with that. Right. I mean, that's God thing. And so this is what God means when he, he speaks to Paul and says, without faith it is impossible, impossible to please God. Now, let's look at the, the question. And the reality is that when you step out in faith and you walk forward, you are going to experience no's. Right. You are going to experience rejection because that's the journey. Because it's not that God wants you to, to feel the sting of the no or feel the sting and the, and the disheartening emotion when you get rejected. It's that God's going, this is part of the deal, and you're going to have to experience some mm-hmm. of this so that you trust me. Right. And you look up at me when you hear no. So practically speaking, in that book, I asked Soledad O'Brien, who, who at the time was a CNN anchor, and she's an award-winning anchor. And so broadcasting is a very personal business. When someone doesn't hire you, it feels very personal because you're the product. Totally. Mm-hmm. And so I was going through a season of no's as I was starting out in my broadcast career when I asked her that question. And she says, I always turned my nose into not here, not yet. Right? And, and what a wonderful perspective that is. Yeah. So and a no is very final, right? Nope. Done. <laughs> and, ouch. Right? Seriously? Yeah, yeah, no, done, period. Uh, but not here, not yet, not now is not final. That's forward thinking. Oh, it's not a no, it's not here. It's not a no, it's not now. So that was a wonderful little uh, anecdote she gave me. And that's where I came with the idea of how to turn rejection into redirection. And that's what you've got to do as a Christ follower. When you hear the no, you got to look up at the father mm-hmm. and you say, okay, I get it. Not here. Not now. Okay, God, I'm going to keep moving forward because I know you know the where and you know the when. And so I'm going to keep moving forward. And so, you you know, it's like the mouse going through a maze, right, trying to get to the cheese. The mouse is just leading. He's going by his nose, right? And, and we've got to be going by our heart. And because God put that on our heart. And so, boom, we're going to run to a wall. Does the mouse stop? No, the they, mouse they never stops. That cheese. <laughs> so good. What does the mouse do? Redirects. Mouse, yeah, he, he redirects. Yeah. And he follows his nose, and we've got to do the same thing and follow our heart. And, uh, and, and so the mouse doesn't quit. You shouldn't quit. And that's the redirection. Okay, boom, I've been walking forward. Now I've got to go left or i got to go right. So good. But whatever I do, I'm going to keep on movie and so that that's the thought there that's yeah so good because the dream that god has given every individual or if they're on the discovery of that dream they need to start leaning into that and like you said look up to the father in that process and i don't know that's just super fun to kind of get that visual because some of our listeners are very visual so to see that mouse going through the maze and to recognize we need to be led by our heart but we need to be looking you know to the father and i know ken you came out with an, your most recent book and that is called the proximity principle. And you talk about three different P's in there. You talk about people, places, and practices. Do you want to briefly touch on maybe the outline of the book, the proximity principle that you recently just wrote? 
Yeah, thank you for asking. So there's five people that are archetypes in the book, right? Yep. So they are the professor, the professional, the producer, the peer, and the mentor. And these are five people. They represent five people that I was intentional to put myself around on my journey. Mm. I did the fast forward story for you folks at the start of the conversation. And and as I sat down to write this book, I was in a coffee shop here in Franklin called the Frothy Monkey. Sounds awesome. And, uh, <laughs> I ordered a coffee and I sat in a corner. Mm. And when I came up with the five people, God gave it to me in about 10, 12 pencil. So this is the actual this is the actual uh, no way. skin, my leather mole skin that I use. And so I'm sitting in this no way. corner and I turned a new page. I love new pages. And I love pencils because pencils free you up. You're not worried about mistakes or scribbles. You can erase and start fresh. And I it's love amazing. pencils. So I'm sitting there and I just said, who are the people? So I just went back to my own journey. I said, who are the people that I was intentional to be around? Mm-hmm. And, and that's when they just float. So those are the five people in the book will explain who they are, what they do. And by the way, they're there for everybody. Yeah. And so this is an, a representation of a type of person. Then the second section of the book are places and uh, the place where you are. Right. And, and that's the place that most people overlook, mm-hmm. uh, a place to learn, a place to practice, a place to perform and a place to grow. And so again, these are types of places and I explain them in great detail. As you all know, it's a super practical book. I yep. grab the reader by hand and I walk you to the places and I walk you to people. And then the third section is practices. So when you're around the right people and when you're in the right places, what do you do? What do you do when you're done, right? You've had that moment with the right person or you've been able to be in the right place. What do you do? And so that last section of practices, these are the very practical things you do um, with all of the goodness that comes, the knowledge, the wisdom um, that comes with being around the right places. So it's a super practical book. Those are the three sections. That's incredible. And I love what stands out to me is the reader's job, the listener's job is intentionality. God's already providentially provided these people, these places, and these practices. And so the word discipline comes to mind. The word intentionality comes to mind with, okay, God's put people in my life. I need to be intentional and strategic and steward these relationships to the best of my ability. And he's put us in places. Some of them are now. Some of them are places that we've been in. And some of them our places that we're going to, but practicing the rhythms of intentionality mm-hmm. and discipline, I think really is the reader and a listener's job. And can you also gave, gave a great word picture about how each of us is given a dream by God, the dream giver. And then you talk about our dream looks a lot of times for a lot of us like Mount Everest, this giant, beautiful, snow-filled, scary mountain And there's a process of sharing this dream that God's asking us to steward with other people, including close friends. Can you dive into that for just a second? So what you want to do is what most people who decide to climb Mount Everest do is they start telling everybody, hey, I've decided I'm going to go after this. This is a once in a lifetime adventure. Uh, It's a big deal. And they tell all their friends and family. Why? Because of how big a deal it is. And because it's going to be an all-consuming adventure. There is training that has to take place. Uh, They're going to have to uh, travel out there uh, well before 
and get used to the climate. Uh, and then the journey itself is going to take some time and it's fraught with all kinds of risk and things of that nature. So it's a big deal. And this is the same thing about pursuing your dream. And so everybody needs to know this is not something that you should be shy about. And that leads to the second thing you need to do, which is once you've shared with everybody, you may think it's crazy. You may not want to do it. You may think it's nuts. Doesn't matter. It's what I'm supposed to do. Uh, I'm going to get the right training and I'm going to get the mm -hmm. team together that allow me the best chance to do this. So yeah. what does that look like? Well, when you think about the physical nature of trying to climb Mount Everest. There is massive physical training that's different than just showing up to your gym. Um, there is uh, then getting to base camp prior to and, and getting your lungs acclimated to the high altitude. Um, you're going to have to learn techniques beyond the physical stuff. You're going to have to learn uh, how to do things with, with the equipment and the tools necessary to get you up and get you down safely. Uh, it, is an, it is a big deal. And, and then you think about uh, the journey itself how you prepare mentally for this. Mm -hmm. uh, there, there's going to be unexpected things coming your way. Injury, uh, weather changes, uh, delays, where yeah. some days on that mountain, you're just huddling um, and staying in one place just to survive. Forget about thriving and getting up the mountain. This is exactly like the journey uh, to be everything that you were created to be. And so I love that analogy because I want people to have the mindset of what it's going to take and who it's going to take to help you get up there, who you're going with, who's your guide, um, you know, all these things. And so let's back that up. I just gave you a snapshot of what it would look like, what your mental process would be. Well, if you run through all that and while you're doing that, you're doing nothing but staring at the crest, the, the peak of Mount mm -hmm. Everest, then it can be really intimidating. Yeah, but if you if you focus on well, uh, I'm not just going to show up one day and try to get up there. No, this is going to be a process. This is going to take some time, just to get ready for the journey, and then the journey itself is going to be uh, intense. So that's the mindset of don't stare at at the at the peak because uh, you get intimidated and paralyzed by fear. Focus on all right. What is it going to take for me just to be ready to start the journey, right? What is it going to take yeah. for me to start the journey? What's it going to look like along the way? And you break it up into um, bite-sized uh, actions and a strategy that all of the small pieces of the strategy equal to the whole. That's the mindset I want people to have when, when uh, pursuing their dream. This is serious business. It's not going to happen overnight. Boy, oh boy, when you get to the mountaintop, that dream job, it was worth everything. And very few people, by the way, actually get there. That's phenomenal. And Ken, we know that you got to wrap things up, but we want to ask you one last question. And if you could tell a group of college pastors and young adult ministry leaders one thing, what would you leave them with today? Uh, that it is the process mm -hmm. that is the most rewarding. Yeah. Um, having experienced a lot of the things that I dreamed about and in the process of experiencing more of those things, what I have realized is, is that the moment that you reach that unbelievable dream, it, it, it feels wonderful. But about three minutes later, you realize... I'm not any different now mm -hmm. than I was three minutes ago. And I'll give you a quick example. 
when I found out that the proximity principle debuted number one on the Wall Street Journal, that was not something that I was expecting. In fact, full disclosure, I didn't even pray for a result like that because wow. I didn't feel right about that. Right. And I just I didn't even think it was possible. Yeah. And God, who is rich in mercy, makes that happen. And I was weeping in my hotel room out of gratitude and appreciation for God's goodness. And it was surreal and all those things. But I'm not kidding you. Three minutes after I got off the phone with my wife, which was a big celebratory call, I was in my hotel room starting to get ready. And I'm looking at my calendar for the rest of the day, and I've got some congratulation emails and texts and all the things. But I was like, I'm no different than I was three minutes ago when I got the news. Yeah. And then you realize, well, what is it about? What caused the emotion? And what caused the emotion is the appreciation of the journey and the process wow. that gets you to a place where you can do this. The moment itself is wonderful, but it's just as fleeting. What you will appreciate in your ministry are all of the things, the wins, the losses, the seasons of waiting, the seasons of agony, all of that. That's what makes the journey itself and the destination so much sweeter. It's the process. So enjoy the process because it is the process that prepares us for the promise. That's what I would tell ministry leaders. Fantastic. And that's amazing. And we're so grateful for the insight that God's really given you as a Solomon in this generation, that people from all over the world call into the Ken Coleman Show and seek out career advice. They seek out your counsel and your wisdom and your insight, just like they did um, with King Solomon, who's one of the wisest people who's ever lived. And so we're just grateful for the time that you would take right. to share with us. Uh, online audience of college pastors, of young adult ministry leaders, and really encourage them with the process that they're on, that God sees them, that he knows them, that he predestined them for good works as God's masterpiece before time began. And so we're just inspired by you, and we want to say a great big thank you for a great conversation today. Thank you so much for joining us. And audience, you guys can find out more about Ken Coleman, The Ken Coleman Show, as well as The Proximity Principle when you connect with us on our website, at youngadults.today. This will be in the show notes as well as across all social media platforms is at youngadults.today. So until next time, this is Josiah and Micah along with Ken Coleman signing off on Young Adults Today. Thanks so much, guys. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to today's conversation on the Young Adults Today podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, go ahead and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Right now. Me in. I'm getting judged up right now.